0: It's nice to see you today. We started a series last week about how God heals your hidden wounds, how God wants to heal those wounds inside you. And we talked about you're never going to break free on your own. You need more than just even praying to God. You need the support of other people. You see people in life that move forward from anything. It could be bitterness, It could be uh, an addiction. Whatever it is, it takes faith in God and the support of other people. And that's what we're talking about today. I read a note, and it said this. Every morning, I start out with great intentions. Today is going to be different. But I always fall back into the same old ways. I feel like there's a tug of war going on inside me. I want to do what's best, but I always end up disappointing myself. I've tried prayer and resolutions and self-help Tapes, Even hypnosis, nothing seems to work, and I'm very discouraged. I think if we're honest, we probably all battle with things like that in our life. Like we want to have a change in our life, and we keep falling back into the old stuff, and we don't understand why. It's not that I want to live that way. I honestly want to live in a different direction, but I can't seem to get there. I seem to keep falling back into failure. And here's what happens. You have good intentions. I want to do the right thing. I really do. But then it's followed by failure. And then you're filled with guilt. And there's a lot of people walking around with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of regret over the things that they've done. Why does this happen? Because good intentions, it's not enough. It's not enough. You can have the best intention in the world, but it's not enough to turn a life around. Good intentions just helps me to realize that I'm wrong, right? I have good intentions. I want things to work out. That just lets me realize that I'm failing. It's not enough to make the change. And I'm talking about those persistent temptations, the things that you just struggle with over and over again, and you can't seem to conquer them. It can be anger, Some people just have an anger problem. They can't seem to conquer it. It can be resentment. You just can't let it go. It can be worry. It can be lust. It can be addictions related to alcohol or drugs. It can be anything like that. But whatever it is in your life, you can't seem to break that cycle. Here's how the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7.15. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Now, that's the Apostle Paul. That's what he said. He even struggled with it. If he struggles with it, of course I'm going to struggle with things like that. So how do I break uh, free? How do we have success in life change? Well, number one in your notes, predetermine my pattern of temptation. You can fill that out. Everyone has a unique pattern of how you're tempted. And... There are certain things that don't tempt you. You're just not tempted by it. And there's other things that do. But we're all different. We all have different temptations. We all have different patterns of how we go. And I'm saying, you better know what your pattern is. If you really want to avoid it, you better know what your pattern is. You better know what's happening and why. If you understand the pattern then you can work on it. Otherwise, you're blind and you're walking into it over and over again. In Proverbs, it says, the immoral person does not care about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it leads. It's immoral if I don't care about the outcome of my life. I want to care. I want to live a life that's not headed for destruction. I want to live a life that's going to be successful, not a life that's going to crash. Lamentations 340 says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. So right there it says, take a look. Take a look. Find out what's happening in your life. Look it over. So we're going to do that right now in your notes. When am I most tempted? When am I most tempted? This is important. If you're irritated all the time, maybe you find yourself that, on Monday mornings when I go to work, I'm always irritated. And people can tell, okay, that's not healthy. That's no, not healthy. But you need to understand, why is it on Monday mornings? Why is it Monday mornings that I'm like this? On Friday night, you might have a different kind of temptation. On Saturday morning, your temptation might be to be lazy and waste time when there's things that you really need to get done. You know, All these things are temptations to not live the best that we can live. But you need to know, because the day and the time of day, it changes. It changes your temptation. Maybe in the afternoon, you start noticing that you're irritable, because maybe it's your blood sugar has dropped. And maybe you need to eat a little snack then to keep yourself going. Okay, but if you don't know what your temptation is, and then the afternoons come, every afternoon you're irritable... You can't treat your wife like that every afternoon or your kids like that every afternoon or at work. You can't act like that at work every afternoon and keep the job. So you have to know when are the times of day. Some people, maybe you're tempted when it's late at night and everybody else has gone to bed. Or then maybe you need to change the habit and go to bed when they go to bed. But you need to know when. When you're tempted makes a big difference. Because if I know when I'm tempted, now I can work on that and make sure that I don't put myself in that situation. Where am I most tempted? That's another one. There are certain places that you're not tempted. There's other places that you are. Maybe you're more tempted at work. Maybe your temptation is to, you know, cheat a little bit. And maybe it happens at work. Maybe there's a gorgeous coworker, and that's your temptation. Maybe you're tempted in the kitchen. And maybe, you know, you're on a diet and you're trying to do the right thing, but when when you're working in the kitchen, it it just doesn't work. Maybe you're tempted in the bedroom. Maybe you're tempted when you're hanging out with a neighbor. There's a certain neighbor that when you hang out with him and you're having a good time, you always drink too much. And when you're not with him, you don't do it. Maybe it's a neighbor that you hang out with. Maybe it's a, a certain store, convenience store or something, and they have magazines there and you're always tempted when you're in that store so when you know where you get tempted maybe you get tempted when you're at home alone and and you're tempted by your computer things there maybe it's a sports bar it doesn't matter where it is but you need to know you need to know where you get tempted so that you can change things it's like if i don't want to get stung i better stay away from the bee's So you have to know, this is where I mess up, so I've got to stay away from there. You know, you might have a really good friend. But if that's where you're tempted is when you're with this person, then you might have to change that. You might have to separate from them. And you're not saying they're a loser, they're a bad guy. What you're admitting is, I can't do the right thing when I'm with them. It's about you. And you've got to change some habits. The next one is, which leads into this is, who is with me when I'm most tempted? You need to know that. Some people are more tempted when they're alone. Some people are more tempted when they're out with the guys or out with the girls. Some people are more tempted with, like I said, a certain coworker. Some people are more tempted when they're in a place where they don't know anybody, and we're all strangers. Everybody's tempted around different people or alone, but you need to know. Some people are tempted around your family. It's with your family that you'll say things that you would never say to somebody else. You would never be that cruel. But with your family, you'll let them have it. But if it was anybody else, you would never talk to them like that. So some of you are tempted with your family, and that's where you blow it. That's where you give in to wrong. Then the next thing is, what temporary benefit do I get if I give in? Every time you give in to temptation... You're doing it for a benefit. You're doing it for a benefit. There's some sort of pleasure that you're getting from it. Some, you're, you're gaining something. Even if, it's, if you're cussing somebody out and it makes you feel better about yourself because of what happened, you're always gaining something from it. You never sin without a benefit. Let me put it this way. If sin were a bummer, nobody would do it, right? You're doing it because you're getting some sort of pleasure out of it, some way, somehow. What happens is you might get a short-term pleasure in the moment for a long-term problem. That short-term yelling at your wife might be a long-term problem. Over time, it might end the marriage, a marriage that you don't want ended. So what happens is, what benefit am I getting out of it so I know what I'm getting? And then you can work on that. Why am I seeking this to build my significance? Why am I seeking this to make me feel good about myself for this pleasure? What's the payoff that I'm gaining from it? Maybe you get some sort of comfort, some sort of relief, some sort of excitement, some sort of confidence, whatever it is. But if it's a sin... In the moment, it might feel good like I told them off, and you feel really really good in the moment, moment, but long term, it's going to ruin your life. It's going to harm you. How do I feel when I give in? Maybe you feel more popular when you give in. You need to know these things. Then, the next one is, how do I feel right before I'm tempted? Because this is the trigger that can cause you to go for it. How do I feel right before I'm tempted? Some people are Notice that it's when I'm feeling lonely, that's when I give in to this temptation. Or when I'm feeling frustrated, that's when I give in to this temptation. Or when I'm feeling angry. Or when I'm tired. When I'm tired, I tend to do this. Or when I'm bored. That's when I give in to this temptation. But you need to know what the trigger is so you can work on that issue instead of giving in to the temptation. Instead of doing something that's going to ruin your life. So all this leads to, when I understand what's happening, then it leads to, number two, plan to avoid it. And obviously, this isn't you know, rocket science. I understand what it is, so I've got to avoid those things. And you have to have a plan. You have to plan to avoid things. You've got to plan not to be in those situations. You've got to plan to go to bed earlier if your temptation is when everybody else is sleeping. You've got to make a plan to avoid certain places Like I said, you have to have a plan to avoid certain people. Whatever it takes to have a healthier life, you've got to put it into practice. You have to set up boundaries for yourself. In Proverbs 4, 26, 27, it says, plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. So you have to avoid it. There's certain things that you have to avoid if you want to have a great life. Temptation always begins with a natural desire. It's natural to want to feel like you have meaning and purpose in your life. So if somebody offends you and it affects that feeling of significance in your life, you fight back. You fight back because you have a natural desire, but you're not handling that natural desire in God's way. Sex is a natural desire. Eating's a natural desire. Sleeping's a natural desire. But all those things can also be perverted and abused and become a sin in your life where it becomes something harmful to you where what was meant to be good is bad because you're not using it right. What's meant to be good to have meaning and purpose in your life, if you get offended because people are offending you and affecting that area of your life... Now you're yelling at people. You're breaking relationships and friendships. And what's meant to be good is now bad because you're using it in the wrong way. You're abusing it. You don't understand how God wants it done. God has a right way with everything. Sex is not wrong. Sex is not evil. Sex is holy. It's a gift from God. But any gift from God can be perverted and misused. God gives you these great gifts in life and he wants you to use them right. Temptation is when I take that natural desire and I fulfill it in the wrong way or at the wrong time. It's a natural desire, whatever it is. But you fulfill it in the wrong way or at the wrong time and then it ends up becoming a problem. Sex, like I said, is a gift from God. But... Sometimes two teenagers at high school have a sexual relationship and the girl gets pregnant. Sex itself is a gift from God. But at the wrong time, you can feel like this is the worst thing that happened to me. I didn't want to get pregnant in high school. You know what I mean? Sex is a beautiful thing. But if it's not used within the boundaries of God, it can also be a really horrible thing. It can be something that hurts you instead of helping you. So you want the right boundaries in your life. The number three, protect the condition of your heart. It's your heart that matters. You want to make sure that you're protecting your heart. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. So guard your heart. If you want to change something that's continually causing you to mess up, you don't start with the behavior. You start from what's going on inside me. My heart, what's wrong on the inside Willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work because what happens is when you use willpower, eventually you get tired and stop. How many times, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, I'll raise it for you because I know. How many times have you tried to stop something by, with willpower and then you give up because it's just hard? You need something greater than your own willpower to do things. You need to find out what's going on in my heart, what's on the inside that's happening that's causing me to act out in this way that isn't healthier. Have a little test for you. You'll see a paper that says heart examinations. Can everybody pull that out? What they found out is how you're feeling has a lot to do. How you're feeling has a lot to do with whether or not you're gonna give in to sin. Look at these type of things. The first one: physically exhausted. Energetic in shape. Now, I'm not talking about over your life. I'm talking about like right now. Like where are you in your life? You give yourself a zero if you're physically exhausted right now. Maybe what's going on in your life, you're exhausted. Uh, You give yourself a four if you're energetic and in great shape right now. But give yourself somewhere between zero and four based on where you are. Then the second one says discouraged and pessimistic or encouraged and optimistic. Give yourself a number there based on where you are today, what's going on in your life now. Are you bored and discontent, or are you challenged and contented? How do you feel? Are you bored and discontent or challenged and contented? Circle the one that describes you there. Are you spiritually dry and empty, or are you spiritually growing? Mark that one based on where you think you are, between zero and four, four being the highest, zero the lowest. Are you distant and alone, That means from your loved ones, are you distant and alone, meaning like maybe you're out here, but all your family is in New Jersey or something. You know, you're distant and alone, or you're near the ones that you love. It could even be that you're on, you're going on trips a lot because of your work or something like this, but you're distant and alone from your loved ones a lot so that you feel that or they're close to you, they're nearby. Uh, They could even be in another country and obviously, that would be distant and alone. Are you feeling insecure and unsure about the future? Or do you feel secure and confident about the future? Mark that one where you believe you are. Are you deeply wounded and hurt by what someone's done? So you been, if you're deeply hurt right now, that might be a zero or one. But if you feel loved and understood, that would be like a three or four. Mark yourself on that one. Are you bitter? Are you holding on to bitterness right now? you Are very bitter at somebody? Or have you forgiven everybody? Mark yourself zero to four on that one. Are you sad right now? Or are you happy? Mark where you are on that one. Are you alienated and unsupported by those that are close to you? Or do you feel close and supported by those who are close to you? Mark that one. Now on there, add up your points and What you'll find is if you have between 30 and 40 points, no one will probably have 40 points unless you're Christ. If you got 40 points, don't worry. You're going to go straight to heaven. You're going to ascend to heaven right now. But uh, nobody's perfect. But if you're between 30 and 40 points in your life right now, they say you're less apt to give in to a temptation that would ruin you. You're less apt to. Because you're at an emotional state that you're less apt to do that. If your number is between 20 and 30, caution. You're not as strong as you think you are. See, when it's between 20 and 30, you feel like you're strong, but you're really not as strong as you think. And you better have a caution light up because you can mess up. Okay? When your number comes between 10 and 20, you're in serious danger of making some major errors in your life right now. And you need to understand, like, so that means... I better work on these things. If I'm spiritually dry, I've got to get my spiritual life going. If I'm deeply wounded, I've got to get healing. If I'm bitter, I've got to forgive people. You've got to work on those things because you're on the verge of messing up. And if you're zero to 10, you're in critical condition. It's like if you did this and you came out less than 10, you better see a biblical counselor immediately. Because you're in danger, emotional danger, severe emotional danger. But it's a true fact that where your heart is can affect the decisions that you make. And when you're spiritually strong and things are going like that, you're less apt to make a major error in your life than you are when you're spiritually weak and hurt and bitter and fearful And all those type of things, you're really more apt to blow up big time. Your heart matters. Look at Ephesians 4.27. Do not give the devil a foothold. In World War II, after the Japanese had uh, conquered the Pacific, the South Pacific, those islands, when the U.S. Marines took them over, what they would do is they would try to just get a foothold on the island even if it was just a couple of hundred yards, that just get on the island. And they found that once they could get on that island, then they could push them back, push them back, push them back. But if the Japanese were able to keep them off the island, they couldn't do anything. But it was like once they could get on the island, get a beachfront or something, from there they could work. And it's interesting. The U.S. Marines, every time... They got a foothold of an island. They got that island back every time. Well, that's what the devil wants to do to you. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. He wants to get a foothold on you. The devil just wants to get in there a bit, find that weak point, and start there and work from there. So we need to know that. We need to be aware of what he's doing. We need to work on those areas of our heart. We don't want to give him a foothold. And all it can take is one thing to start that spiral down. It's interesting. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Jesus wants to give you life. If you spell the word live, Jesus wants to give you life. If you spell the word live, now you take that same word live and spell it backwards. It's the word evil. Live evil. Jesus wants to give you life. Satan wants to destroy you. He's got an evil plan. Satan wants to ruin your life. If he can find any way to get you, he will. He will. He's out to ruin you. You might not believe in Satan, but Satan believes in you and he's out to ruin you. If there's a way that he can do that, he will. And he'll do it through your emotions. Jealousy. He'll use that to destroy you. Envy. Fear. Resentment. He'll use that to destroy you. How many people have gone to prison because they had resentment? And they acted on that resentment. Lust. Anger. Boredom. It's negative emotions. You get a negative emotion, you let it start rolling, it's going to mess up your life. You start off with this negative emotion, of lust, and it can roll into adultery, ruin your marriage. You start with this negative emotion, like I said, like a resentment, and it can cause you to do things and act out in ways that put you in prison. Envy. And then you, you get caught stealing or something. And every type of Negative emotion, that's what he wants to use to destroy you. That's why it's your heart. What's wrong with my heart? Why do I have so much jealousy? What's wrong with me? Why am I so envious? What's wrong with me? Why can't I forgive people? What's wrong with me? If you don't work on your heart, it's going to mess up your life, it's going to destroy you. When you mix several of these things in, that's more than a foothold. That's more than a foothold when you've got several of these things coming in, and you're about to lose the battle. If you haven't already, you're about to lose the battle. Number four, pray for God's help. Talk to him. God, God, I need to get my heart right with you, and I'm going to pray that you help me. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, Keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. I don't know if you're like me, but there's a lot of times I forget to pray about things that tempt me. You know, I might pray for other things, but it's funny. I can remember like getting with my kids and thanking God for the food. Dear God, thank you for this food today that we're about to eat. I'll pray and thank God for the food. But how many times have I forgotten to pray that He would help me win battles that I have with whatever temptation I have? Seems like to me that's a more important prayer than even praying for food. So we need to pray about it. In Psalms 50 and 15, Call to me when trouble comes. I will save you. You know what that tells you about the heart of God? He wants to help. God wants to help you. Call out to him. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Jesus understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and grace to help us when we need it. When you're praying, you're talking to somebody that understands. It says Jesus has been tempted like we have. So you're praying to someone who knows. But you're also praying to someone who didn't give in to the temptation. So he has the power to help you. To help you not give in. And then point your attention elsewhere. Change the direction of your thoughts. Refocus your mind. Look at James 1, 14 and 15. Temptation Is the pull of our own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. Evil thoughts lead to evil actions. So where does it start? Evil thoughts. Don't wait till you do an action and say, oh, I need to change. Start with the thoughts. The mind. You want to start there. Divert your attention. When you feel tempted, get your mind on something else. Get up and do something else. Don't fight the temptation because you'll lose. You know, attention grabs you, then you have arousal because it looks exciting, and then your action, you do it. You don't try to stop it at the action stage, you don't try to stop it at the arousal stage, you try to stop it at the attention stage. It's getting your attention, so you get your mind and you get up and do something else. You've got to get your mind and attention elsewhere. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we capture every thought and make it obey Christ. They're capturing that thought. Notice how the Bible never says resist temptation. Do you know that? It says resist the devil. It never says resist temptation. Do you know why? It doesn't work. I've been on diets before and I'm just not going to eat that. Oh, I'm resisting. It doesn't work. I eat the food. I might make it through that day. The next day, I I just can't do it. I can't resist the temptation. But I can resist the devil, and I can get my mind busy on something else. That's the only thing that works, right? You get your mind on something else with, you know, doing something else, playing with the kids or going to the park or whatever I have to do to get my mind off of what's tempting me. So you can't resist temptation because your willpower is going to eventually lose What you want to do is get your mind elsewhere. And that's what Jesus did. He wasn't resisting. You just find no sense that he's resisting turning the rocks into bread because that's what he was tempted to do by Satan. Oh, I'm resisting. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm I'm resisting. I'm going to be strong. It doesn't say that. He just diverted the attention onto God's word. And he started quoting the scripture. He got his mind off of the desire and onto something else. You have to find out how you can do that. Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. Find a way you're tempted to do something bad. Get up and do something good instead. Get up and do something good instead. And then six, pick an accountability partner or group. Most people never break free from their habits because they're unwilling to share it with anybody else. Don't put it on a billboard for everybody to see but with the people that, that love you unconditionally, you need those people in your life. People that aren't going to judge you. They're just going to support you. That's the type of person you need. So you can come clean. You can say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And that's a real friend that's going to help you. And we need that because prayer alone doesn't work. It's God and others. God and others. God designed it that way. I don't know why. I don't know why, when I became a Christian and Christ came into my life, I don't know why I can't just confess things to Him alone and He helps me to conquer it. I don't know why He designed us that I also need friends and support. But that's the way He designed us. And you know why? I think He never meant for us to be a monk. Do you know how a monk goes off? Do you know that that's not biblical? There's nothing in the Bible about being a monk. The idea of a monk is you get away from civilization, you get away from everybody so you can just focus on God and be holy. And God says you can't be holy unless you love your neighbor as yourself. Can you do that if you're a monk? No, because you have no neighbors. A monk is separating himself from everybody. It's impossible to be holy being a monk because the only way you can be holy is to love your neighbor as yourself. People's involved, that's a sign of holiness. There's nothing holy about being separate and alone. What's holy is to put up with people that irritate you and loving them anyway. That's a changed heart, right? That's a changed person, and people will irritate you, and then you just love them anyway. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says two are better than one because together, if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him. We need each other. Look at James 5, 16. Admit your faults to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you pray for each other, you admit your faults, and then you have support. You have, the, you have people in your life, and that's what you need. You know what it does? It liberates you because now it's no longer just your little secret. That kind of weakens the grip because now you finally got it out, and now you can really work on it. It empowers you because there again, once it's out, you're now empowered to, let's do something now. Because you've broken, the, the, the hardest thing is to admit to somebody that you're doing it, whatever it would be. Then you get it out. And then it's endearing. We think that people are going to like us more if we're perfect. Okay? And they don't. They don't. They can't relate to that. You know what people like is all, when you're authentic, when you're honest. People respect that. People respect that. If somebody's perfect, what does it show? They're lying. (laughs) They're putting on a front. Nobody is perfect. But they want people to be authentic. And that's what it endears people to you. They can respect that because it's real. No one's expecting you to be perfect. They understand failure and, and temptation. What they see you as a Christian is that when you fall down, you try to get back up. They see that even though you mess up like everybody else, you're truly trying to love them and you're tr- truly trying to love others. You're just struggling with the sin. And that's what they see. If you're truly trying to love them and you're tr- truly trying to love God and you're struggling with the sin, people understand that. People, but what turns off people uh, when people act like uh, hypocrites, where they're acting like they're one thing but they're not really? You know, it's false. It's a false pr- uh, print. That's not what draws people... Uh, to the Lord or to other people. Here's what we have as a Christian. We have the same problems, the same hurts, the same fears, the same difficulties, the same sins, the same failures. That's what we have as a Christian. Everything's the same. Well, then what's the difference? Well, we believe that Jesus, by his grace, has forgiven us and gives us a new start. So when we get knocked down, we try to get back up. And when we get knocked down, we try to get back up because we believe in God's grace. We don't stay down. We try to get back up. I'm knocked down. I'm not knocked out. Let me get back up. Let me get back up. Okay, that's a big difference right there. And the other difference is we have a family to support each other. A church is a family to support you, to help encourage you when you're going through hard times. That's why I say it's so important to have Christian friends. You know, the most common temptations are probably sexual. Not everybody's tempted by drugs or alcohol, but sex is pretty tempting to everybody. You know, we have certain things that are common, that are easy to fall into, and we just need to be aware of that and have certain boundaries in our life. Number seven, persist in believing that I can change. If you don't believe you can change, you will not try, guaranteed. If you don't believe you will change, you won't try, Why bother trying? I can't change. Well, the truth is, the reason you feel that way is because you can't change, right? You really can't change. But what I'm trying to say is, if you don't believe that with God and the help of others that you can't change, you won't try. But if you believe with God and the help of others, you can change. You know what you'll do? You'll put your faith in God. You'll try to get the right relationships around you to support you and others. And you know what? you'll start to change. And you'll notice, when do you start falling back into old patterns? When you quit being honest with the people around you that are there to help you, and you quit spending time with God. We're always moving one direction or the other. You always are. Nobody's just in neutral. So you ask yourself, how's my relationship with God, and how's my relationship with others You're always moving forward or backwards. You're not standing still. But together it works. Here's what God says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation that comes your way is beyond what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God has never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. God wants to help you. You have the support of others, and God wants to help you. With that, let's pray. Lord, Lord, We know we're not perfect. Lord, we have habits and temptations. We all have a unique way of how we mess up and how we fail. Lord, we want to understand clearly what messes us up. We want to avoid those things. We need your support. We want you to change our heart. Lord, we're willing to turn to other people. We're willing to focus our mind in a different direction. We want change, Lord. So we're making a commitment to work in these areas, work in these steps that help us turn our lives around so that we have success. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.